This is one of my favorite coaching questions and one I ask every single coachee at the start of every follow-on coaching conversation because whatever's been going on for that coachee before they step into our session, it gets put to one side when I ask them to dig back over the last few weeks and tell me about the good stuff. It's also a question we encourage coaches to consider every day in their first two weeks back at work. Why? Well, when you return to something you've not done for a few months, it's easy to feel like you're on the back foot, got to make up for lost ground and that you're not making as much progress because there's still so much to do. But stopping at the end of the day to reflect on three things that have gone well and why changes our mindset from one of deficit to one of appreciation. Feeling shaky after maternity? or another long leave from work. Comeback Coach is the Wobbly Bottom podcast about kick-ass comebacks with coaching psychologist Jessica Chivers. She's exactly what you need when you're riding the return to work roller coaster. Hello, it's me, Jessica Chivers, for a different kind of episode to usual. It's just me today, no guests. And in this coach episode, I'm exploring seven questions for you to ask yourself before you return to work. And I've chosen these because over the last 18 years of executive coaching with people returning to work, I found these are the ones that really help set you up for success. I hope it's a really energising and useful listen. And if it is, please could you do all the other bright minds who are returning to work and don't yet know about this podcast a favour by rating and reviewing it wherever you listen. The more stars we get, the brighter we shine and the more easily we reach the minds who need my help. Here are the seven questions that I'm going to unpack one by one. One, why am I returning to work? Two, what will a successful return to work look, smell, sound and taste like? Three, what's the best that could happen? Four, how are we going to share the load at home? Five, what expectations do people have of me? Six, What resources and support do I need? Seven, what's gone well? Now you might like to listen to this episode on a walk with a journal and a pen and then press pause to ponder your answers whilst you continue to walk. Say your answers in your head or say them out loud and then carry on walking whilst you answer the question then physically stop and whip out your journal to scribble your ideas to each question. Then you can press play, carry on walking and repeat. And as you're listening and walking and making notes, if a thought or a problem comes up that you'd like my help with, please drop me a DM on Instagram using the handle at comebackcomuk and I'll happily send you a voice memo back with some pointers. And did you know this podcast forms part of our Comeback Community Employee Experience designed to keep you feeling confident, connected and cared for when you take extended leave from work. If you think your organisation needs to improve the way it cares for people taking any kind of extended leave, I'd be really grateful if you tell your head of HR or chief people officer about the podcast and send them a link to comebackcommunity.co.uk. Finally, my huge thanks to the award-winning family law firm Raiden Solicitors for their sponsorship of the podcast. They're a top-ranked firm with three key values, clarity, commitment and confidence which really speak to me. They have offices in London, Hertfordshire, Buckinghamshire, Cambridge and Essex and you can find out much more on their website 
radensolicitors.co.uk. Okay, on with the questions. Question one, why am I returning to work? Look, knowing your why is absolutely foundational because it's what's going to keep you going when things get difficult. It's the thing that you can go back to when you start to doubt yourself and question your decision to return to work to the particular job or company, which will happen. I can assure you of that. Maybe it's a mantra that you want to write down on your fridge or on your kitchen notice board or a post-it note that lives on your desk. But something that you can return to so that when things do become challenging, you can remember, but this is why I'm doing it. And I think it's also in the vein of Simon Sinek, who wrote a book called First Start With Why, to keep asking yourself why, 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 until you've got to the nub of what it is that's driving you. In a lot of the coaches we work with are returning to work because they enjoy the mental stimulation, they like the recognition, they like the sense of accomplishment, they've worked hard to get where they are, they need the money, or they wouldn't want to raise their children full time. And these things may or may not feature on your list, but it's imperative to understand why you are doing this. And if you're a community insider with access to all the goodies on comebackcommunity.co.uk, then definitely go and have a look at the article, Your Reasons for Returning. It's in the Whilst You're Away section and there's a download called Finding Your Why. Question two, what will a successful return to work look, smell, sound, feel and taste like? Now, the sharper the image in your head the easier it will be to achieve it because you know what you're aiming for. And really take the time to think about those different senses. And it's important to choose a period of time to focus on. Perhaps you're going to think about what a successful first month will look, sound, smell, feel and taste like, or perhaps the first six months. And it might be that a feeling is what you're aiming for rather than a measurable tangible goal that you want to achieve and that feeling might be calm or centered or confident it's really personal to you remember no one's going to be looking over the notes that you write in your journal but it's very important to be honest about what success is for you not what the last person who returned to your office from maternity leave, for example, thought was success or what your best friend thinks or what your mum might say for you. It's about what success is for you. And just on that smell note, in case you think it's a bit weird, I once worked with someone who said success would smell like fresh coffee in her kitchen and that smell would be a signal that she'd negotiated working from home and was enjoying being in a home and not being rushed in the mornings. If you want a bit of help with the visualisation piece, I've been reading a really great book at the moment called Manifest by Roxy Nafusi, and it breaks down manifesting, which isn't some woo-woo thing. It's about taking action. But one of the key things in the book is about visualising success, visualising what you want. And there's a load of research actually around the power of visualisation to get you what you want and to make changes. I remember telling my daughter recently about how there was one study done where they got people to imagine 
curling their biceps with an imaginary weight and they compared this group who were asked to visualise over a period of time with a group who actually did do bicep curls with an actual weight and the muscle growth between the two groups it was not absolutely the same but there wasn't much difference in it and there are lots of studies like this you know visualisation can actually bring about physical changes in the body so it's worth thinking about what it is that you want and then spending time every day imagining that happen and I can't recommend Roxy Nafusi's book highly enough. Question three, what's the best that could happen? I love this question because it instantly transports people to a hopeful, optimistic place and bypasses doubts and fears. It makes people smile and relax and stand up taller. You know, we're so familiar with that question, what's the worst that could happen? And people ask it from a good place and their intention is to help us see that our worries probably won't come to fruition, but it actually doesn't do anything for us. It doesn't help us feel motivated or compelled to take action. In fact, it just encourages us to focus on problems. So what's the best that could happen is a question to ask when you're feeling doubtful or worried about the impact of you returning to work. And it's also a question to keep with you throughout your career when opportunities come your way that you might be at risk of turning down because they feel scary or they're happening before you feel ready for it or at the wrong time. And I'll give you an example of a coachee I was working with earlier in the year who works in television and she was coming back from her second maternity leave. She's a reporter and sometimes news anchor and wanted to get involved in making a documentary, but she was hanging back from having the conversations that could have led her there. And we use coaching time to explore this and to think about the best that could happen if she made a pitch to be involved. And then she emailed me a couple of months down the line and I quote, Hi Jessica, I kept meaning to email you and say I got the job to work on the programme. After years of working in news, I knew I needed a change. It all felt a bit overwhelming as I'd just returned from maternity leave, but I'm so glad I just applied anyway. I honestly didn't think I'd get the role, but I did. And for the next four months, I'll be helping to make a network programme. I have to say, your encouragement and guidance really helped give me the confidence to go for it and put me in a good position to get it. It feels like an exciting new chapter and has opened up a new world of opportunities for me, which makes work so much more satisfying and achievable with a young family. So I just wanted to say thank you for your support and encouragement. So listen, that's what can happen when you focus on the best that could happen. Question four, how are we going to manage the load at home? This is a question I implored readers of my book, Mother's Work, to discuss with their partners before they return to work. If you don't live with another adult or teenage children who can share the load with you, you might want to skip on a couple of minutes to question five. Now, I think it's really, really important to reset expectations at home and make a plan for who's going to do what before you get into the thick of work again. If you don't plan for who's doing what, what usually happens is the person who has been at home and picking up more of the domestic load continues to do this on top of their paid job. And it's very easy for resentment to build and we don't want that. There is a planning tool in the book, in Mother's Work. I forget what page it is, but you can take a photocopy of that and use that as a planning tool to have the conversations at home. 
Now, data from the Office for National Statistics in March 2022 shows that employed women spend more time on unpaid childcare than employed men. That's 85 minutes and 56 minutes, respectively. And women also spend more time on housework, women spending 167 minutes a day compared to men's 102 minutes. And that imbalance really has career repercussions. And it also has emotional repercussions at home if you start to feel resentful. Now, it might be that you live in a balanced household where jobs are shared equitably. And that's brilliant if so. And if you've listened to episode 36 of the podcast with Chris Ashton-Holt, a father of four and director at EY, you'll know it's possible. Chris and his wife, Paisley, both work an 80% schedule and go 50-50 on the mental as well as the physical load, which is just brilliant. So definitely ask that question and start talking and thinking together about how your new life will look like, what it will look like when there are two of you in paid work. And you can also talk about the time that you want to have together and the time that you want to pursue hobbies and interests separate from one another. But really, really vital to start that conversation before you go back to work and are really busy with all that that involves. Question five, what expectations do people have of me? Second guessing what people want from you, what you think they want of you, whether you think your boss thinks you're doing good enough is just awful. And it's a recipe for an unhappy return to work. So the answer is to get clear on what's expected from you at work and what you expect from yourself at home and at work and anywhere else. The question four was essentially about the expectations you and your partner have of each other at home. And it's so important to be explicit about who's doing what to stop resentment from seeping in. There's a neuroscientist, David Rock, who developed something called the SCARF model, which describes five key domains that influence our behaviour in social situations. And these are status. That's about our relative importance to others. Certainty, our ability to predict the future. Autonomy our sense of control over events, relatedness, how safe we feel with others and fairness, how fair we perceive the exchanges between two people to be or more than two people. So that C word in the scarf mnemonic is what I really want to focus on here because when we know what people expect of us or when we have certainty, it lowers our threat response so if your boss says something seemingly wonderful like, take your time, settle in, you've got nothing to prove, I know how good you are, then actually you might want to challenge her or him a little bit to get some guidance around when they will expect something from you and what it is. Otherwise, you're in an information vacuum and you might start to expect ridiculous things from yourself and start to feel like you need to evidence that you're back and what you've delivered and you're still valuable and it's right that they promoted you whilst you're away. So really do ask the question about what is expected of you. And another question I invite coaches to ask their boss when they've been hired into a new role is what specifically did you see in me during the recruitment process that made you think I was the right person for this role at this moment in time? And it's such a beautiful way to, again, get under the skin of that person, your boss's expectations of you. And I've had lots of coaches ask this over the years and be delighted and often surprised by the answers that they hear. 
you know, this question is all about really understanding what people see in you, what they want from you. And when you know that, it gives you a really good insight into the way that you can add value, the way that you can make a difference, what people want from you. Question six, what resources and support do I need? This question follows really naturally once you know what's expected of you. And let's think about home for a moment. Can you and your partner, if you have one, really keep the show on the road at home without any additional help? In mother's work, I advocate for finding the money for a cleaner if you possibly can. I know it's been a lifesaver, game changer for me. We've had the lovely Annie in our life for nearly 14 years now. And I can honestly say that when you have a cleaner, less cleaning actually gets done overall because you don't spend time constantly cleaning the sink, trying to get off toothpaste stains and all the rest of it. So if you know that you've got someone coming in once or even possibly twice a week to do it, then you don't have to worry about it. Game changer having someone help you in that way. Sometimes coaches need lots of help at the beginning of their return to work, but they don't get that support in place because they're embarrassed to ask or they think they don't want to get help because it won't be sustainable in the long run and they don't want to get used to it if they can't afford it or if they're asking parents or parent-in-laws to be involved and they know that they can't continue to sustain that for very long. Well, hear me, get as much help as you can in the beginning. This is a big transition you're embarking on and you will be knackered. So think about that. And what support do you need at work? Do you need your cover to stay on a little longer than planned? Do you need to be trained on new systems? Have a period of time without billing targets? Do a phased return? Someone to cover key meetings when you're at ongoing medical appointments? I could go on. And if you haven't paused a podcast yet, really try that now. Pause it and just sit for a moment or stand, keep walking, whatever you're doing and think, what support would really help me at work? It might be for a few days, it might be a few weeks, it might be for a few months, but think about it and jot down a few bullets. You can decide then whether you actually want to share those things and make an ask of your boss, but at least give yourself a bit of space and time to think about what would be helpful. And if we think back to your answers to question two, what will success look, smell, feel, taste and sound like? then you can use your responses to consider what you might need to ask for or take charge and get for yourself to make that success happen. Question seven, what went well? This is one of my favourite coaching questions and one I ask every single coachee at the start of every follow-on coaching conversation because whatever's been going on for that coachee before they step into our session, it gets put to one side when I ask them to dig back over the last few weeks and tell me about the good stuff. It's also a question we encourage coaches to consider every day in their first two weeks back at work. Why? Well, when you return to something you've not done for a few months, it's easy to feel like you're on the back foot, got to make up for lost ground and that you're not making as much progress because there's still so much to do. But stopping at the end of the day to reflect on three things that have gone well and why changes our mindset from one of deficit to one of appreciation. It's also a great full stop on the working day before you transition into domestic mode, which is especially relevant if you're working from home and don't have that physical journey between work and home 
to mentally make the transition between your different identities. Part of the Comeback Community Employee Experience is a welcome back box that lands on coaches' desks when they first return to work. And it's full of goodies. And one of the things that we include are 10 postcards that have inspiring quotes on one side and then space on the reverse to write down three things that went well that day and why. And it's important to reflect on why things went well as well as what went well. Because when we do that, we start to notice our agency. We notice our habits, our behaviour, our attitude that help that good thing, that thing that went well to happen. It's also important to write these things down, not just to think them, because when we take a pen or a pencil and use it on paper, we're more deeply encoding the good thing that happened because we're lingering longer on the thought. What went well is also the question we've got embossed on journals going in our 10th birthday party goodie bags. It really is a question I love. Actually, on that note, keep your eyes peeled on Instagram as there might be some free tickets remaining for our 10th birthday party at the end of September in central London. We're inviting all current and past coaches and clients of the Talent Keeper Specialists plus podcast guests to come together for a couple of hours of fizz, learning and connecting. And I should say the Talent Keeper Specialists is the business I started 10 years ago off the back of my book Mother's Work and it's the home of the Comeback Community Employee Experience. We work with a brilliant array of clients including ITV, GAM Investment Management, BlackRock, CIPD, Lily's Kitchen, TT International, Federated Hermes, Blinkist and more. Anyway, back to this episode. Was that helpful? Have those questions energised you? Were they useful questions? Did you stop to make notes? I'd love to know how you found this episode and whether you'd like more episodes like this where I share my expertise. And if you would, what topics would you like me to cover? Please come over to Instagram and tell me what you thought. The handle is at comebackcomuk and you can just DM me. And you can also rave about the podcast in a review wherever you listen. Now I'm starting to think about season four of the podcast for late autumn. And if you'd like a coaching session with me for that, please get in touch. It's absolutely free. And if you know someone who's got a great comeback story that you think other people would like to hear, you can tell me about that too. I'll be back with episode 41 on August the 31st. That's my eldest's 16th birthday, How Time Flies. And it's the last of season three. I'll be talking to Pippa Rudling about her experience of comeback coaching, why it's a useful tool, why and how she pitched it to her employer to support her return to work and how to pick a great coach. I hope you listen and please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time stay bright.